Hi, everybody. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr., and welcome to Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm here with my brother Rick, and actually I'm in the studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee this weekend at home base, as I have just come from a conference that I had in Alabama, Oxford, Alabama, at Trinity Baptist Church. Rick, it's great to be with you here in the studio. It certainly is, and we do have an exciting program for you. We take a look at some of the stories that we're going to be looking at today with our normal broadcast partners. It looks like it's ripped right out of the pages of biblical prophecy, and uh, we see these events taking place, as you always say, we we look at current events in the light of God's prophetic word, and there are certainly things to talk about today. And who do we have first today, Rick? Our first broadcast partner is Ken Timmerman, and I've got questions. Ken keeps an eye on the uh, geopolitical affairs and world politics. Ken, where do we find you today? Well, I'm I'm heading out to uh, Jacksonville, Rick, to uh, give a speech at the American Freedom Tour with uh, Don Trump Jr. and uh, Kaylee McInerney, Dinesh D'Souza, and a whole bunch of other uh, luminaries of the conservative movement. Never a dull moment with you, that's for sure. Very interesting. Well, then, I know you're busy, so let's get right into it. I wanted to start off in China, Ken, and I've seen a lot of saber-rattling by China nowadays in relationship to Taiwan. Can you talk about that a little bit and and China's position there? Uh, Sure. We have been following this, Rick, for the past many, many weeks uh, as the Chinese step up their overflights uh, with military aircraft over Taiwan. Now, these are not just stray aircraft wandering over uh, international airspace into Taiwanese airspace. These are actually strike packages. Uh, That's what we're learning more about this week. The Chinese are boasting of them. They had an air show about 10 days ago uh, in China where they uh, put on display their equivalent of an AWACS early warning and command system and their uh, special uh, uh, electronic warfare aircraft, which uh, looks like it's based on a Sukhoi uh, 35 or the Chinese new uh, equivalent of that. And uh, they are using these planes in packages to go right up along the international airspace line with Taiwan repeatedly. They've now flown something like 800 sorties over Taiwan or just along Taiwan's international airspace in the past two years. So this is an expanding and expanding effort by the Chinese. Now, uh, the U.S. and our allies have not been entirely uh, complacent as this is going on. Uh, remember, we talked about the U.S. and the Brits signing with Australia, the AUKUS, AU, uh, Australia, UK, uh, U.S. nuclear submarine deal that was absolutely aimed at deterring communist China. But the U.S. and our allies, the Brits included, have just this past week been steaming aircraft carriers around Okinawa, which is just to the north of Taiwan, to let the Chinese know that we are there. We've got our eyes on them, and we're not going to let them uh, get away with a provocative action that could transform itself into an actual attack. And I want to leave our listeners with this this one really disturbing quote from a uh, a defense analyst who's uh, based in uh, Singapore. And he says, you know, we won't know whether it's the 37th exercise or the 52nd exercise, which one is the real one. But that's what they're doing. They're actually preparing the Taiwanese with these exercises to kind of lull them to sleep that, you know, this is not the real attack. And it could be one day that the exact same exercise that they carried out last week is the real thing. Well, that is a scary thought. And this makes me wonder, uh, and we've talked about this before, 
but especially when it comes in relationship to to China, what kind of ally is the United States going to be? And this this relates not only to Asia, but also to the Middle East. We have allies in the Middle East. What kind of ally do you think this current administration is going to be in the face of military aggression? Well, that is a that's a good question, and that's a question many American allies are asking. And again, I, I have said many times here with you, Rick, that I give the administration, this administration, some credit, at least for pretending, making gestures to stand up to communist China. For example, uh, holding these recent military exercises, a demonstration of U.S. strength and resolve south of Okinawa, north of Taiwan, clearly aimed at the Chinese. The Chinese take it as aimed at them. But you have to balance that with the equally clear signs of American weakness and lack of resolve. You know, the, the disastrous retreat from Afghanistan, the upcoming retreat from Iraq that will happen at the end of this year. And these have uh, really given our enemies a signal that we are not serious about defending our allies. And it's made our allies wonder as well. So the most dangerous thing in geopolitics is uncertainty. And the United States right now is creating uncertainty about how it will behave in the event of a future military crisis. Going back to our old friend Iran, um, and we're, I guess I say that tongue-in-cheek, our old friend Iran, but we're looking at potentially the nuclear deal being restarted. And I know this has been a a kind of a pet project of of President Biden's, is that he is really excited about restarting this agreement uh, with uh, Iran and, and... what does that mean as far as uh, Iran's ambition or Iran's goal to develop a nuclear weapon? Well, uh, Rick, you put it very well, uh, President Biden's uh, pet project, uh, because that is the only way you can really look at it. It is not a serious project. It is not a serious policy to restart the Iran deal. What well, the Iranians have made very, very clear, and um, they've gotten the Russians and the Chinese to buy into this, and to a certain extent the Europeans. They've made very clear that any return to the really uh, uh, minor, minor restrictions that the Iran deal from 2015 put on their nuclear weapons program, they have made very clear that that will be dependent on immediate uh, uh, lifting of U.S. economic sanctions against Iran. They've talked, they floated the figure of releasing $10 billion of Iranian assets before they even come to a negotiating table. And remember, they're not negotiating directly with us. Our diplomats, in theory, are sitting in a completely different hotel, wherever it is that they decide to meet. They say, before we even come to that city to meet with the Europeans, the Russians and the Chinese, we want the Americans to lift economic sanctions and to release our assets. And in exchange for that, well, we'll talk about maybe returning to some limits on our centrifuge enrichment, but they've already blown past them. They are now producing 60% uranium. 60% 60% uranium is weapons-grade fuel, okay? Uh, they, you know, they say it's 93%, but you can make bombs with 20% uranium. 60% is three times uh, more enriched than 20%. Uh, actually, so it's, it's um, uh, a lot more than that. Um, and and uh, so the, the Iranians are progressing with their nuclear weapons capabilities. They are proceeding with their long-standing goals, of having a civilian program that serves as a legend or a cover for their nuclear weapons program. So what that means is they are developing capabilities 
that could be used to make low-enriched uranium for a nuclear power reactor, but those same centrifuges can make high-enriched uranium at 60% or higher for a nuclear weapon. And that is what they are desperate to maintain, and they've been very successful at it so far. Well, and it's very concerning when you think about a nuclear weapon. And my last question, uh, a Wall Street Journal report came out this week and talked about Iran developing drones, super sophisticated drones and even unsophisticated drones. But it's it's a new uh, a new way of warfare in the Middle East that may be changing the landscape there. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how dangerous is this? Uh, it's, it, it's pretty dangerous. Uh, it is not a nuclear threat at this point. Uh, the drones cannot carry enough weight to, carry, to launch a nuclear warhead. But, 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 the drones that the Iranians have demonstrated, and by the way, they're very open about it. They parade these things. They show them in their military exercises. They're very open about it. The drones that they're using are of several different types. They have surveillance drones. They have drones that can carry standoff missiles. And they also have drones that serve as kind of kamikaze attack planes. Uh, And they have demonstrated that they can evade U.S. and uh, GCC, that's the Gulf Cooperation Council, radar. When they launched that attack two years ago in Abtaik, the largest oil refinery in the world in Saudi Arabia, and put it offline for several weeks, many, many weeks, actually. They have demonstrated a, a pretty powerful capability And, of course, they are spreading those drones by the hundreds to their proxies around the Middle East, to Hamas, most recently. Hamas apparently used them in their latest uh, uh, assault on Israel in the month of May, uh, obviously to Hezbollah, and, of course, to the Houthi rebels in Yemen. They now believe that the drones that they've supplied to the Houthis have enough range to be able to attack a lot in Israel. That's a very serious thing. Now, What damage can the drones do? Uh, You know, it depends what they hit. They've shown that they can take out an oil refinery. They they will be able to take out Israel's refineries as well, should they decide to attack it. Uh, Israel doesn't have a lot of oil refineries. So these are, are, uh, you know, high-value targets that uh, are very hard to defend. Now, Israel has Iron Dome and David Sling and a multi-layered air defense and missile defense system that, remember, AOC... And the left in Congress wanted to cut off funding to, but the Israelis still have those systems, and those systems are very effective. And they seem to be at this point less vulnerable to the drone strikes than countries such as Saudi Arabia, who have a vast, vast territory to defend. Many areas of concern around the world. Ken, we thank you so much for keeping our listeners informed and for keeping an eye on those situations for us. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again next week. My pleasure, Rick. It's always great to be with you. God bless. Ken Timmerman, our broadcast partner that looks at geopolitical issues. Thanks, Rick. Folks, let me give you an update on David James. Dave James is in intensive care, and we want to lift him up in prayer. Our community of Prophecy Today listeners, folks that follow us, um, you have been praying. We prayed for the elder in the Church of Jerusalem with Menno Kalashir, John Theodore. He's still in the hospital. COVID is taking uh, a toll on many people, but we want to keep Dave James and John Theodore still lifting them up in prayer and uh, just pray that God's will will be done. We serve a God of miracles and he can perform a miracle, but we just pray that his will be done. We're going to take a break and when we come back, David Dolan, 
with his Mideast News Update, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. In today's world, a biblical worldview and a proper understanding of biblical prophecy should be a priority. At a time when many false doctrines are entering the church at a frightening pace, we must be able to rightly divide God's Word in order to live a pure and productive life for Him. If you would like an in-depth understanding of biblical prophecy, let me challenge you to consider Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. The School of Prophets is an online study for the layman or student pursuing a master's or doctorate degree. Dr. DeYoung's online study program will allow you to develop a timeline of biblical prophecies of the past, as well as future prophecies yet to be fulfilled. Your personal study of God's Word will only be enhanced by Dr. DeYoung's School of Prophets, and your life will be changed as you better understand, like Daniel, where you fit into God's calendar of events. If you're interested in developing a deeper understanding of God's prophetic Word, let me personally invite you to become involved in Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. Call today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us at schoolofprophets.org. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we're getting ready for our Mideast News Update from Dave Dolan. You know, it's very important that we keep an eye on Israel and the Jewish people. God's not finished with the Jews yet. In fact, as you look at Bible prophecy, that's what really helps us to determine Bible prophecy, realizing that God still has a plan for the Jews. We will have Wiki Madag coming up in the next half hour and Rob Congdon. Dr. Rob Congdon will share with us a new series that he started on examining Calvinism. And really it's theology that doesn't recognize that the Jewish people have a, still have a role in God's plan. And that's very important as we are living in our world today, our churches, our theology, understanding Bible prophecy, realizing that God does have a plan for the Jewish people. And that's why we spend so much time looking and understanding what's happening to the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, and those uh, alignment of nations, really, that are around the state of Israel. We'll get right into it. And I'd like to start off, uh, there's been a lot of news going on uh, concerning the Temple Mount, and, and one of the main things that they've been focusing on is a ruling by the courts upholding silent prayer on the Temple Mount. Can you talk about this and what this means? Well, it's uh, very significant indeed. It was a local court, a Jerusalem magistrate's court, that did the ruling on Wednesday. A Jewish Orthodox man, Ari Lippo, a resident of Jerusalem, had uh, appealed to the court after the police, Jerusalem police, 
banned him from going up onto the Temple Mount for 15 days. He was kicked off of it during Yom Kippur for praying. And somebody was videotaping, well, with their phone, of course, the whole incident, and that was shown to the court. And a female judge ruled that, hey, he wasn't doing anything in violation of police orders. The orders are that you do not pray publicly, you don't pray in groups, you don't bring books and shawls and different things that, you know, to aid in your prayers, that if you're up there and uh, quietly praying, you know, nobody will even know. And uh, that's what he was doing. And she said, this this isn't in violation of the law. He should be allowed to go back up and and to do his, his private prayers. Well, on Friday, the Israeli government, uh, one of the ministers in the government uh, who oversees the police, said that they would appeal this decision. He said this would lead to trouble and more conflict. Of course, the May uh, war with Hamas was ostensibly over Jewish violation of Islamic rights on the Temple Mount, etc., and um, that this would come again. Uh, he said also that, uh, you know, the status quo must remain. This is what Jordan said as well, status quo, that the Jews pray at the western wall of the Temple Mount, whereas the Muslims pray on top. Well, um, you know, the western wall is at the base of their holiest site. It's not the wall itself that's holy. It's that it's part of, a little part of, the Temple Mount itself where their temple stood. So uh, many Jews have always, as you know, wanted to pray on the Temple Mount, wanted to have prayer groups even up there. That's not allowed. Police always break them up. But since late uh, 2019, there have been small groups of mostly male Jews praying uh, in a secluded area right next to the Eastern Gate, out of sight of the Muslim mosque up there, out of sight of other visitors, very private, very quiet. And that's been allowed to more or less go on by the police. But this ruling says, hey, they have a right to pray everywhere. But as you said, the reaction has been fierce. Hamas called it a, an act of war. They said that the sword of Jerusalem will return soon. That, of course, was their name for the May War. And that Muslims everywhere around the world should support them. And that uh, there will be a violent storming of Muslims to take the Jews out of the area entirely, basically, is what he said. I'm summarizing it. And uh, the Fatah group condemned it. Uh, Jordan condemned it. Other Muslim states and groups also condemned this ruling. But again, you know, think about it. Judaism's holiest site on earth for 3,000 years. Muslims took it violently 1,500 or so years ago and have mostly controlled it since then. But it's obviously a holy site to the Jewish people beyond anybody else, and then, of course, to Christians as well. And everybody should have a right, in my view, to go up there, and especially if they quietly do it and they're not in anybody's face, to pray. And I had an experience. I had a pastor and his wife from the States visiting. I took them up there, and we were quietly praying, and nobody bothered us. But then a guard came over, noticed us, and said, hey, stop whatever you're doing. You've got to keep walking and moving. Don't stand there. So I've experienced it myself. But it's significant. But, of course, it's another excuse for the Muslim fundamentalists to cause more trouble, and I'm sure we're going to see that.
As you say, we've definitely experienced many of the same type of actions on the Temple Mount when it comes to the Islamic Waqf that controls it. But it, and just to clarify, this is not really changing anything. This is just a judge saying a man has a right to pray. This is not a, a shift in the government. Uh, this is not the shift in the status quo or anything. This is basically um, potentially being used as a as a kind of a straw man, a flashpoint in which maybe um, one side might want to start uh, raising problems. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. But this goes to the heart of all of the resistance, quote-unquote, to Israel existing at all. And in fact, in the Hamas statement, they said, this is occupied land, and therefore the Israeli courts have no say over what goes on Well, but of course, they don't believe that's only the case for Jerusalem. They believe the entire country is occupied illegally by Jewish people, that Islam should control it exclusively. And they look for any excuse, really, to cause uh, further problems and to stir up their people and stir up agitation. But again, this is Judaism's holiest site for 3,000 years. And as you know, they're not going up there ostentatiously in groups and then, you know, standing out and chanting and taunting. And the uh, attorney that defended the Jewish man said, look, the Muslims up there, they pray football, they riot, they pray, they march around, they sing, they do everything. They have total freedom. And uh, a lone Jewish man can't go up and go in a crevice and, and say a prayer that this is just absurd. It is, but again, it's their war against Judaism and against the Jewish state that's behind it all, not just an issue of the Temple Mount. Well, we appreciate you giving us a proper perspective on that, because if you were to just read the news and the mainstream media, you would you would hear a different perspective. You would basically uh, look at it as, as Islam and Muslims are under attack, which is not what's going on at all. Indeed not. It's uh, an excuse, and uh, they'll use it. Again, they want to see Israel destroyed, and uh, they know that nothing gets uh, the masses stirred up more than this issue. They can always get a crowd of Muslims to protest Jewish violations and Jewish this and Jewish that, and, uh, and they do it. Uh, you know, they took over the Christian church in Istanbul also, um, you know, uh, centuries ago, and now that's being made again into a mosque. And uh, the idea that the Temple Mount is exclusively for Muslims and that nobody else can be there or pray there is pretty ridiculous. Well, we'll switch gears a little bit and uh, and and look at another uh, incident that's been in the news. And we've talked, and we talked earlier with Ken Timmerman about uh, the U.S. restarting the nuclear limitation talks with Iran or the nuclear agreement with Iran. Uh, but it looks like Israel may possibly be involved in future talks. What can you tell us about that? Yes, um, an Israeli security media outlet, Debka File, um, published a report on on Friday saying that secret talks have been going on for some months now between Iran, the U.S., and Russia, and that Israel is also involved behind the scenes in these talks. Now, if that's the case, it's quite a change from the past. The uh, report says that they are, that Russia and the U.S. would guarantee that Tehran will not cross the threshold to make a nuclear bomb, that they will put a guarantee out that Israel doesn't have to worry about it, and Israel would apparently sign on to this in an unofficial way, according to the report, 
and um, that that would, uh, you know, be then joined by the other parties to the earlier nuclear accord, uh, China, the European Union, and others, and um, that that would uh, end the dispute. Russia is the key, according to the report, uh, because they, of course, have a lot of influence over Iran. They currently supply uh, Tehran with most of the material it needs in its nuclear reactor in the south of the country. So um, this may be the case. It would signal a real change of policy. Another thing they point to is that a um, summit meeting has been set up uh, for later this month in Moscow between Naftali Bennett, the Israeli premier, and the Russian leader. Of course, they would meet anyway at some point, it seems. But according to the Depka file, this is the reason for it. So we'll have to wait and see if there is anything to that and if anything comes from it. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for your Middle East News update, and thank you for the time that you've taken to uh, educate our listeners. I'm blessed to do it, Rick. God bless. David Dolan, a longtime journalist with CBS News, 35 years in the Middle East. He's now reporting with us and gives us a clear understanding of what's happening in the Middle East. We've got Winky Madag coming up, Dr. Rob Congdon in the next half hour after the break. You won't want to miss them right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., and I'm here with my brother Rick as we are continuing on the ministry of the radio program. You know, it's so very important as... We develop uh, a worldview as we and we go to different areas of the world, right, Rick? A worldview is so very important as we make decisions, uh, and we're watching what the world's doing. Absolutely, and Winky is one of the guys that helps us do that. Um, I'm really excited to hear what Winky has to say this week. We we've seen the Temple Mount in the news, and that's something we monitor very closely as a ministry and as an organization here. And I'm really excited to hear what Winky has to say about that today. Yes. Speaking of Winky, uh, one of our good friends, and uh, we go to the center part of Shiloh, uh, Winky Madad. How are you doing? We're doing well out here. Thank (laughs) you very much. So before we get started today, and we will talk about the Temple Mount because you spend time on the Temple Mount, we're going to get to that subject. But before we get there, there's a couple things that I would like to ask you about life in general in Israel. You know, know that 80, 85% of the country has been vaccinated, and you are going through, just as everyone else, the COVID, the virus, the decision to, to get the vaccine, not to get the vaccine. First of all, how is the country doing as far as handling the virus 
and life going on as normal? Well, look, there are so many uh, open doors for the COVID, or as we call it here, the corona uh, disease. Hmm. You shut down your airport, like, say, Australia or New Zealand, and not let anybody in. We know at the very beginning a lot of the infections came from the outside. Do you shut down your economy? You keep people locked up or off the streets as much as possible. And then when, after a mass inoculation, is looking very good, still have those people who are not inoculated uh, severely uh, ill at times, which overwhelms or almost overwhelms your hospital services. That anybody has one answer because the disease is new. Okay, we're talking about not even two years old, and not anybody knows anything. But we do know it's an awful disease. Even those people who come out of it, the Netanyahu government had one element was to try to completely prevent anybody from getting ill. This current government has a different approach. We're uh, uh, thinking more economically speaking in terms of keeping businesses open. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the truth, we won't know for another couple of months or half a year or so how's it going. I can that's, I, I admit that. Yes. But I know we could talk for hours on this subject, but in, in a, on one leg, as the rabbi says, do you see this as or do you think of it would be a conspiracy? Because in the history of Israel, they've never shut down the economy and basically the history of the world. You don't see it as a conspiracy. You see it as people trying to get a hold on top of the virus. In the sense of what what I would call managing the disease in terms of government uh, regulations, I, for one, fully understand the restrictive nature to the point uh, guys of saying almost intolerable. I remember at the end of last winter, beginning of spring, we were locked up almost six weeks, mm. basically. Mm. You know, walking out of the house only one hour a day, except for essential services. Mm-hmm. But I think most of Israel's population is willing to go that way. Unfortunately, we have a certain percentage, just enough of percentage, in my opinion, and I'm not a doctor, uh, that is keeping the thing going because... Uh, they are revolting against the restrictions or very unsure about any sort of medical care. And hopefully we'll be able to look back on this in another two years or so. But mm. uh, you're in the midst of it. You just got to keep going. Mm. Yes, you do. Wink, there's an article that came out in the Arut 7 uh, news site about Arabs having destroyed 80% of archaeological sites in Judea and Samaria. I know that you live on a very important uh, archaeological site, can, uh, and that's in Shiloh. Can you tell us a little bit about Shiloh and, and, and about this destruction, and is it having an effect on archaeological sites all over the country or just in Judea and Samaria? Here at Shiloh, we're very uh, fortunate, I could say, because we have a Jewish community that lives right next to the archaeological site just like in several other places, uh, notably Bethel and Hebron. If many of the sites that you mentioned, which is quite true about that bad news, is because they're up in a mountain or in a valley or in in some place where no one goes, Mm. and either they're robbed uh, or they're destroyed. And I've written about this. I call the destruction of Jewish national identity or Jewish 
national identity theft. Mm. Uh, they're simply taking away the artifacts and the walls and the structures and writings and inscriptions and coins and whatever else goes into archaeology to simply say, well, Jews weren't here before. Why? Because there's no evidence. Uh, and this is, first of all, it's against the Oslo Accords, mm-hmm. which they signed, the, the Palestinian National. And it's very painful to see, you know, uh, anti-Semitic events take place mainly in Europe but also in the United States where tombstones are knocked over or defaced. Well, now translate that into Arabs mm-hmm. attacking or robbing or destroying Jewish archaeological sites going back two or even 3,000 years, and then saying, well, you weren't here. So it's very painful. It's also, I don't know if it's proper to use this term on the program, evil, mm. in the sense that it has a very bad negative intent. And it's not just for money. It's not just for you know, making commercial advantage over taking coins or, or pottery and then selling them on the black market, which was also done. But this, in the main now, is just simply get rid of the Jewish evidence. And, and this is very a powerful weapon, and we're trying to prevent it. You know, this seems to be their M.O., really, how they operate around the world. They're well, very look, little regard. You, you come to Shiloh, right, and you can see we have prehistoric sites. We have Christian basilicas and mm. Jewish walls and Roman floors mm-hmm. and even Muslim structures. So you can see the entire history, the land of Israel, the people who've been here and what they've done. That's proof positive, not only of history, but of the Bible, which describes all these things in very uh, exquisite detail, and it comes to life when you scratch the surface. We're lucky to have uh, Dr. Scott Stripling from, from Texas coming here now uh, very soon to go into, I think it's his fifth season of archaeological dig here. And it's amazing. It's science. Because you have to weigh things, you have to use chemistry, you have to use all sorts of things like that, and it's real. And it's God's Word from the Bible in your hand or at the bottom of your feet. You're looking at it. <laughs> what was described in the book of Samuel or other books, you could see it. It's not a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. So it's very important, not only nationally, but also in a religious sense, for all mankind. Well, I'm looking forward to the time that we are able to go back, take our groups there, uh, and come to visit you in Chilo. Uh, I think that would be excellent to have you walk us around and show us the basis for where the uh, poles stood for the tabernacle and ever all the floors and things like that. We look forward to that. So, Winky, this is Rick. I'd I'd like to uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about the Temple Mount. It's been in the news recently. Uh, there's uh, some uh, a flag waving incident. Uh, some uh, somebody w- waved an Israeli flag there, and then just recently, there's been a ruling by the courts allowing silent prayer on the Temple Mount. Can you tell us about this development and what's going on there? Well, let's lay some uh, basic facts out. Prayer is not a prohibited at the Temple Mount by law, but by government policy. Uh, all prime ministers, including Mr. Netanyahu, have said uh, the status quo is in place, which means that Jews can visit, as well as Christians, but they cannot pray. Only Muslims can pray there. I've been part of a movement, and we discussed this many, many years, going back with your late father, that we are trying to, A, raise consciousness about the fact that Jews do belong in the Temple Mount, that they do have a right to pray, 
And it's a, again, it's an issue that affects not only Israel, but uh, Egypt and, and, and Turkey, I understand, now is coming out against it. The question is, and, and you guys have been up there as well as I have many, many times, there's an awful lot of open space there with even maybe 100 or, or more Jews can congregate for, for 15 to minutes to a half an hour, and that's the end of it. No one would know anything about it. Uh, but for the Muslims, it's become more than a religious element, but of course it's political. And, and who runs the Temple Mount? And who owns it? And did the Jews ever have a temple there? And when Jews come in, are they storming and invaders and all sorts of other uh, language that is inappropriate? And it simply acts to heighten the tensions rather than, uh, as I've said many times before, using religion to bring people together. Why cannot, in the words of Isaiah, people come up to the Temple Mount, Jews, Christians, and Muslims? We're not yet in the Messianic times. There is no Jewish temple there. Okay? Uh, so we're not talking about uh, harming any Muslims physically or in their rights, and be able to pray, maybe through joint prayer, or not joint prayer, prayer at the sh- uh, sharing the same location, will turn the hearts of people to a little bit of more understanding, compromise, and, and, and willingness to accept the other. Well, Winky, then, to, to follow up with that, that question, and I have a two-part question, and many of our people that have been with us to Israel, they know we go to the Temple Institute, which is a organization uh, based out of the old city there that uh, is committed to rebuilding or, or building a temple there. So I, I have a two-part question. One is this a forerunner of potentially uh, something like that taking place? And two, would you, you said, like you mentioned before, there's quite a bit of space on the Temple Mount area as it is now. Could it coexist? And I'm asking from a, uh, I'm not asking from a, a Muslim perspective, uh, but from a Jewish perspective, could it coexist with uh, the, the Dome of the Rock that's up there right now? Let me take your second question first. As you said, there's enough space. Uh, obviously, the Dome of the Rock sits on the foundation stone, which is at the center of the Temple Mount. They conquered that site in the in, in the seventh century. Okay, and it says not by some sort of divine decree, but because they decided that the Jews should not have that site, that the Jews were rebellious against God, and therefore we have lost any claim. If you read the Quran carefully, that's basically one of the themes. Well, we deny that, and they've had it for 1,300 years, and to be very honest, I think we should have it back. Does it mean that they can't be up there in some other part, uh, which is outside the sacred portion? They can, because we do not claim the entire compound is ours. In fact, the main reason we say we can walk up there is because portions of the, of the Temple Mount are not on sacred ground. So uh, the fact that we should be up there, and they can be up there, even not only now, but even in a later stage, is part of the divine uh, prophetic uh, plan that's, that's working out. All nations shall come to that mount. We do not say they cannot be there. We're the ones, the Jews, who are saying everybody can be there in their proper uh, condition and, and situation. So uh, I think that uh, all this uh, making noise and, and, and threatening and, and raising the temperature is not helping anybody. 
Winky Madad, thank you so much. You give us excellent information so that as we are developing our worldview, we know what's going on in Israel on a daily basis or on a weekly basis and important decisions and things that have been made. Thank you so much for being with us this week. Rick and Jim, thank you very much for having me on. And regards to all of you out there, listeners, Thank you very much for having me on. We have a DVD that we would like to offer. It's called Ready to Rebuild, Revisited. It's the revisiting of our very first video, Ready to Rebuild, 20 years later, looking at what's been done to rebuild the temple in the city of Jerusalem by the Jewish people, the Temple Institute, and all those that are interested in the temple being rebuilt. So if you would like to get that DVD for a gift of any amount, we will gladly send that to you. Just call our ministry at 423-825-6247 and ask for the special offer and that you have a gift that you would like to give Prophecy Today. You know, we need to continue this ministry that my father started, and we will give you, in return for a donation of any amount, we will give you our DVD, Ready to Rebuild, Revisit It. Well, another gentleman that for years, he and Dad talked about the European Union, Rob Congdon, Dr. Rob Congdon, very busy man. He has a ministry. We're going to talk about the ministry at the end of our conversation today and what he's been doing lately. But Rob, welcome to the program today. Well, it's good to be back with you. Uh, Always enjoy being with you and your listeners each week. Yes, and uh, it's so good to have you with us. You know... uh, helping people to understand why Europe is important. Just before we get to some of the items that I want to talk to you about, why is Europe and the European Union, why is it important for us to keep our eyes on what's taking place there? Well, I think it's important because as you read your scriptures, you can't miss the prophetic aspects, all the prophecies and scriptures. And inevitably, as you study the various We've been doing it lately, the minor prophets and major prophets. We see that somehow Europe keeps reappearing. It may not say European in your Bible, but it is talking about the reformed Roman Empire. Daniel calls it specifically of where it's going, and uh, there's no doubt that that includes what we call the Europe of today, as well as obviously the Middle East. So, and, and also, you need to understand the European Union is tied very closely to Israel in countless economic ways and importing, exporting ways. So there are strong ties between Europe and Israel today. So we understand the nations that would be a part of the revived Roman Empire, which were the boundaries of Rome, at the time where those boundaries, you know, basically went out to all the way from almost India to Great Britain. And we keep those, all those, the Mediterranean, all around the Mediterranean. So we keep those nations in in mind. But I've got a uh, question about Europe has become a hostage to Russia. And Russia is one of those nations that are listed in Ezekiel 38. How do you see this as uh, maybe a situation that we really need to be concerned over? Because right now it's just about energy. But what could it lead to? Well, that's right. Uh, Ezekiel in 38 makes clear references to Russia and a future alliance that will come down to attack Israel. And I believe that attack on Israel will be based economically. That's what Ezekiel 38 says. Mm. Uh, And probably for the energy resources of Israel. Uh, in today's world, we have a major incident involving a pipeline 
going from Russia to the European Union that basically is potentially all of their pipelines from Russia give about 90% of the energy needs of the European Union. So the European Union is really dependent on Russia to supply its energy needs. Um, obviously, the European Union is going to want to turn away from that single dependency. I think they're going to be turning more and more to Israel and as they do that, Russia's got to deal with a competitor. That's Israel. And that brings us right to the circle, back to Ezekiel 38, with Russia trying to deal with Israel and its supplying of energy to the European Union. Great Britain uh, has uh, left the European Union. They are going to have an energy crisis probably this winter. They're already having one now. Do, do we see Great Britain... Uh, or do you see when you're looking at this uh, and it, we understand that it was a part of that Roman Empire, do we see them coming together and uh, this energy crisis affecting uh, and maybe Great Britain getting involved with Russia? Um, I, I actually do because when uh, Great Britain left the European Union, uh, I made statements with your dad many times on the radio that mm -hmm. The European Union's got to punish Britain for what they did. They can't have nations leaving the EU. So I think uh, not only will Russia, but the EU has potential to affect Britain. And the goal will be the ultimate bringing back of Britain to the EU. If they don't keep coming back, come back, the EU is going to keep punishing them till they do. And there's many areas that we've started to see that kind of punishment already. Mm. The Balkan countries, which I believe would be basically Eastern Europe um, in the sense of countries from Serbia, uh, Montenegro, uh, Moldova, uh, all these countries, uh, Macedonia. The European Union is having, is jeopardizing its position in the Balkans because there's an indecision process. Do you see, first of all, how is that jeopardizing the European Union and uh, and its decision with the Balkans? And do you see the Balkans at some time or Eastern Europe joining in these nations uh, of what we see as the re revived Roman Empire? Uh, I do. The Balkans are very important. Historically, they've been very important. In fact, we can actually look into two world wars that began or mm. had much of its beginnings back in the Balkans. Uh, they were part of the area that is the Roman Empire of the past. So I, I think they are involved. The EU has a single goal, to unite 109 nations under their control and direction, ultimately. So the Balkans would certainly be included in that. But the EU also has many ties to the Balkans. And so uh, the tension today is whether they should bring in these nations or not. That's within the European Union. Um, they, they, there's concern because the Balkans have traditionally been hot spots. Mm. And uh, as I've said, they, they, that's where World War I began. Europe knows history. They don't forget it. And so they're nervous about that. They're nervous that the Balkans will bring back immigration, massive more immigration into Europe, which many of the nations, particularly France and Netherlands, don't want. So, yes, there's some real concern for the Balkans, and there's always the concern, will a Russia or China or Turkey 
try to influence the Balkans that would be counter to the goals of the European Union. So there's real tensions in the EU. They want to bring in these nations, but they're hesitant. And and not a lot of people are, are aware, but I mean, there is a Muslim influence in these Balkan countries, right? Oh, absolutely. And, um, and that's becoming uh, increasingly a factor in uh, discussions within the EU, because while they want to grow, they want the economics of these countries, they're not sure they want to lose their European aspect. They don't care about nationalism. Mm. They don't care if you're a Frenchman or English or what. As long as you're global mentality and you're thinking EU, and the Balkans, uh, they're not sure because of the Islamic influence sure. there also. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's something that we will keep our eyes on. Now, Rob, tell me about your ministry, and I know that you have uh, done a special series on uh, Calvinism and uh, uh, tell us about that and the dangers uh, uh, and why you did it. What prompted you to do an in-depth uh, series on Calvinism? Well, first of all, we, we do it through our ministry called cmi-tv.org. And many years ago, I was observing how many young adults were not in the churches mm. anymore or were leaving and going to some other churches. I realized the approach was on the Internet, and so we've done it through the Internet and through our videos on our website. And we are trying to reach the young adults. As we've looked, we've seen they've turned to Calvinism. And um, our most recent video was on lawlessness in our culture and apostasy in our churches, mm. because uh, Paul warned that there'd come a falling away first. And I believe that's just prior to the rapture, a falling away in the church. And one of those is the elements of Calvinism that's been widespread in attracting the young adults to Calvinistic churches. There are significant dangers in Calvinism that most people aren't aware of. They think it's okay, it's a debate of a more theoretical nature, but it's affecting evangelism today, it's declining, uh, uh, discouraging missions, and what really concerns me is it's pushing heavily on the social justice, uniting with the government. That's historic with Calvinism. Unite with the government, get the government to enforce your laws of your church, and many people have no grasp. They say, well, Calvinism even talks perseverance. No, that's not what they're teaching. Mm -hmm. They're saying that you have to work to earn evidence to prove that you're the elect and that one day believers and unbelievers will stand at the great white throne judgment and have to prove that they're the elect. And if they can't prove it, then they're not the elect and they go to hell. And so it, it takes away the security of the believer. It reroutes their mission purposes and certainly decline, uh, decreases the giving out of the gospel and generating, generating, I believe, a greater number of people with head knowledge but no heart knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, and it also, along with those uh, items that you said that uh, it's affecting in our churches today, it's also very anti-Semitic. They don't have a role. They don't see a role for the Jewish people and God's plan for the future. And I think that's as uh, dispensationalists, as we're looking at events, as this program, that's why we keep our focus on the Jewish people. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a, a, a theology that's in place, replacement theology, and uh, something that we need to be aware of, correct? 
Oh, yes. The the thing that most people don't understand is when they hear Calvinism, they think election, and they think that's the whole issue. Mm. No, 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 no. Mm. The real issue is that the the very view of eschatology or end-time events, which are significantly tied to Israel, the Calvinists do not believe what the typical Bible-believing fundamental dispensational believer believes. Mm-hmm. And therefore, because actually Calvin built many of his doctrines based on his eschatological view, which mm-hmm. rejects Israel, mm-hmm. that means the whole system is fifth foundation is shaky, which it is because mm-hmm. of eschatology, the rest of the system will fall. You're exactly right. You know, uh, we always say, my father used to say this all the time, your eschatology determines your theology, and that is so true. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, give us your website again, Rob, so that people can go there. Okay, we have over 42 hours of video Bible teaching on cmi TV. Dot org. That stands for Congan Ministry International. It's cmi-tv.org on the Internet. Wow. Folks, if you get a chance, check out Rob's site. Dr. Rob Congdon, great friend of the ministry, very knowledgeable, not only on all things Europe, but also on uh, Calvinism, covenant theology. He's got lots of videos on there. We encourage you to go there. Rob, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing with us your understanding of how Bible prophecy concerning Europe is going to unplay and uh, the things that we should keep our eyes on. Well, thank you. It's been a joy to be with you. Lord bless everybody. Thank you, Rob. We're going to take a break, and when we come back after the news, Rich Schmidt, who was the sheriff of Milwaukee, will come and talk to us about the society that we're living in today, uh, viral uh, things that are going on not only in Milwaukee but around the United States and really around the world and how that fits into Bible prophecy. We'll be right back after the news, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with my brother, we've been doing this program to continue on the ministry to help Bible-believing Christians to have a worldview. Not only a worldview, but a biblical worldview. Uh, Why the world is acting as it is. And to understand it from a biblical prophetic uh, understanding. And and uh, that's why we go to the European Union. That's why we look at the Jewish people. That's why we look at geopolitical situations and and to help you uh, to understand. And look, without sensationalism, we're just examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. And I think it's very important not to use sensationalistic ideas or concepts or to blow things and make them much bigger than than they really are because what's happening in our world is pretty intense right now and our world uh, around the world whether it be in north america south america whether it be in europe or far east asia our world is uh, there are intense things going on right now we're bringing in today a good friend of uh, the family a graduate of our School of Prophets, the LBU, Dr. Rich Schmidt, who was the former uh, sheriff of Milwaukee. Good to have you today with us, Rich. 
Well, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, it's always great to be with you, and uh, I'm looking forward to our little chat we're going to have. It's great to be with you, and I know that you're doing uh, television programs up there in Milwaukee. As a matter of fact, and uh, you're the pastor of a church, I will be with you. And uh, can you just give the information as to, I know you're outside of Milwaukee, and it's been a lot of things have happened since I was there with you. Just give us quickly the date and the information that I will be with you there in Milwaukee. All right, well, we're all looking forward to you coming on October 24th. That's a Sunday, and uh, we're looking forward to you. You'll be preaching three times, 9 a.m., 1045, and then at 6 p.m. at night. We're going to have a nice lunch for everybody for free uh, after uh, about noon time, and that will be on, again, all on Sunday, October 24th at Union Grove Baptist Church in Union Grove, Wisconsin, about 30 minutes south of Milwaukee. I'm looking forward to being there with you, and of course, with you and I there as graduates of the School of Prophets, we'll have the prophecy angle really covered. Well, today there's a very serious situation, and I, I wanted you to come on. We had talked about this earlier this week, but uh, with things that are happening, um, really, the intents of violence in the United States, and you being the former sheriff of Milwaukee, and understanding, but and and little did I know earlier on Friday morning, uh, events would take place as far as and, and and I'm sure people looking at Fox News, CNN, all of those, you can understand. Uh, the event that just took place. Just share that a little bit, but why, uh, as as we're looking at violent crime on the increase or on the uprise in America, why uh, uh, is is this happening? Well, first of all, you just made mention of a horrific night that we had right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. There were literally four different shooting events in which 11 people were shot three that are pronounced dead so far. And this, unfortunately, around the country, around the nation, is becoming a, uh, a very prominent occurrence, and it's very unfortunate. So why are all these things taking place? Why is violent crime uh, increasing in America? Well, it all comes down to this. It's very simple answer is when you take God out of the country, when you take God out of a culture, anarchy and chaos ensues. And that's exactly what we're seeing happen. So many different things politically are happening. Uh, I, I have to agree with one thing that President Obama stated when he was here. He's the first one to come out and make this statement that we are now in a post-Christian era. That's a horrible uh, mm. statement, but unfortunately it's coming true. Barna has come out with a report that states that Less than 50% of all people in America, the, for the first time in the history of America, less than 50% of, of citizens of America will claim any nexus to Christianity. So we're in a massive nosedive, if you will, of Christianity losing its influence. The government socialistic concepts are taking over, and all of this is leading to a massive increase, if you will, in violent crime. When you take God out of America and the culture, is uh, and and it's happening in our churches. You see that, correct? I mean, our churches are almost—they're uh, not teaching this concept anymore. We've become social platforms. 
Absolutely, and that and that is a horrific problem. So when the when the Church of God loses, uh, uh, if you will, preaching through the Word of God, teaching biblical principles, staying consistent with what you do, uh, Jimmy, and preaching the prophetic word, which is one third of the entire Bible. All of these things are being replaced with, well, let's talk about how to be happy, how to have a, how to have five points on, how to smile during the day, and then we've watered down the gospel, we've watered down uh, the scriptures, and now we're reaping the unfortunate benefits of that, which is a chaotic world. Uh, the Bible speaks over and over again about the there will be, if you will, tares growing with the wheat in, in the, the gospels. And we're having churches now where you look at the South, hundreds and hundreds of churches, tens of thousands of people go to church every week. But if you ask them the question, if you're to die right now, do you know you go to heaven? They can't answer it with a biblical answer. And that's the culture that now is replacing biblical Christianity. Do you see this as a worldwide philosophy or thought process that uh, is ushering in uh, something bigger that we should be uh, 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 concerned about? Well, again, when we look at a global picture and we look at what is the dominant religion of most countries around the world, and it's not Christianity. Mm-hmm. Christianity is now, if you will, much, much secondary to uh, a socialism, Marxism, communism, which in itself uh, they're not quote-unquote religions, but in essence, that's what they've turned into. You see a major movement uh, of Islam that is basically taking over the Middle East and other parts of our world. We're seeing that influx right here in America. Uh, we're seeing uh, a constant uh, immigration of uh, those that are called refugees right here in America that are being brought in that don't share the Christian faith. And, again, Christianity worldwide is being pushed to a secondary place, and in many places, as we all know, it's, it's literally illegal uh, to uh, express their faith in Christ. There's people that are martyred every single day for their faith, and this violence that's taking place, it's, it's part of literally a religious culture, but certainly not Christianity. As a former sheriff, uh, are, are you... Uh, I mean, how do you know these these uh, statistics are on the uprise in America? Well, I'll tell you just what happened today. Uh, we just talked to it. We're seeing it literally in the news every day. If we look at the national statistics, and this comes out from the liberal media that are enforcing this, which seems uh, uh, weird, but they're actually the liberal media, the uh, people that are not Christians are having various concerns about mm-hmm. this. What just came out in a CNN report in the last 50 years, the highest jump in crime has been 13%, which happened from 2019 to 2020. So it's the worst epidemic of violent crime that's happened in the last 50 years. When you look at places like Chicago, which is in the news constantly, 481 homicides in 2019, 748 in 2020. That's a 55 increase in homicides. Milwaukee is off the charts, one of the worst in the nation. 98 homicides in 2019, 191 in 2020. That's a 94.9% increase. We're seeing this all over uh, America, 
And why are these things taking place? Well, some have been trying to blame it on the pandemic. Well, people get upset. They're tired of being at home. No, folks, what it really is, it's an anti-God culture. It's a, a, a liberal, very, very liberal government that's, that's pushing everybody's a victim. Go out and uh, apparently do whatever you think is, is right in your own eyes. And that's exactly what's happening. So law and order is no longer in effect. The rule of law is pushed aside. We give sentence reductions for criminals. They do what's called deferred prosecution, where basically their uh, criminal is said, well, you shouldn't have done that, but it's okay, and we're not going to prosecute you, and they send them home. All of these things are leading to the deterioration of America, the deterioration of our country, and it's a worldwide trend. Prophetically, where do you see this uh, in the scenario in the future? Well, as we look at Scripture, I like to go to Second Timothy chapter three, and it says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And we're seeing that happen. The Bible says men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. That's, that's off the charts taking place. Unthankful, unholy. Uh, you get down into verse five, and it says people have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. In other words, people are religious today, uh, but in the last days, which uh, I think both of us can uh, agree on, we're there. It's, 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 we don't know when Jesus Christ is coming back, but we're looking up. It could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. Second mm-hmm. Timothy chapter 4 says this in uh, verse 3, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they'll have itching ears. They will keep up for themselves teachers. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And we're seeing that happen uh, in the media. We see it happening in our churches, where instead of looking at the Word of God, practicing its principles, teaching the gospel, discipling uh, individuals to walk with God, instead, everything is about what's in it for me. What can I get out of this? And God says in the last days, this will get worse. final thing that comes to mind, Jesus himself talked about that... Uh, after shortly after the rapture of church and all these things that we're seeing are setting the stage, as your dad would say, for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. In Matthew 24, uh, Jesus warned there'll be wars, there'll be rumors of wars, uh, there'll be uh, pestilence, there'll be violence, there'll be earthquakes in verse 7. And then we go down and he talks about in verse 12, he said, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We're seeing all these signs, if you will, setting the stage for what Jesus Christ himself said will take place. Massive violence. Everyone will be uh, uh, fighting for their own lives. There will be people that will uh, uh, kill other people just so that they can survive. And they will, the Bible in Matthew 24.10 says, uh, many will be offended. They'll betray each other. They will hate one another. All these things we're seeing coming into play with a massive amount of violence that's taking place. And might I say this uh, uh, as I close uh, this concept out. We look to the government, we look to law enforcement to basically be the savior of our country. Let me make it very clear. Government can not change the heart. Only God can do that. And I urge everyone, the only hope for America, the only hope for our churches, the only hope for our families is for us to turn back to Jesus Christ, 
receive him as our personal Savior, and walk with God. Amen. <laughs> I love that, folks. Again, we've given you the practical and the prophetic. Uh, Dr. Rich Schmidt, pastor at Union Grove Baptist Church, former sheriff of Milwaukee. Rich, you have a website that people could go to see some of uh, your information? Sure. Uh, if you go to Prophecy Focus, so it's, it's very much like your uh, website, Prophecy Today. Mine is prophecyfocus.org, prophecyfocus.org, one word. And you could actually have uh, Dr. Schmidt come and speak at your church and uh, on all things, uh, even uh, bringing his past as uh, sheriff of Milwaukee and what he knows about the future, having uh, studied Bible prophecy. And really, that's the key. For all of us, as we are looking and trying to understand why our world is acting as it is, all you have to do is go to the scriptures. Rich, I look forward to being with you in October, October 24th. I'll be there at the church, and we'll have a, a great time together. And thank you today for being on the program and helping and alerting us to be aware. But things are going to get worse, and we thank you for giving us that information today. Well, thank you, Doc. I, uh, I love you, appreciate you, and we look forward to seeing you. Folks, we're going to have to take a break, and uh, when we return, I'll take a look at the book right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy Student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Have you ever wanted to visit Israel and trace the footsteps of Jesus? With Rick and Jim's VIP trips, you'll see Israel past, present, and prophetic. Our VIP trips are typically smaller groups of 8 to 12 people. This smaller group size allows us to spend more one-on-one -on -one time answering your questions and personalizing our tour. It is a very intimate experience. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time not to only visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. We can also customize our trip for your family or small group. Please call Joshua Travel today and see how we can make your trip extra special. Call 423-821-3635 or visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy D. Young, Jr. It's that time where we take a look at the book. And I always liked when my father, Dr. Jimmy D. Young, for many years would take the time to take a look at the book. With Bible in hand, he would give you the verses, the reference, uh, why each of the current events that we examined 
we talked about and where they are listed in Bible prophecy. And that's something that's so important that as you study the Word of God, that you understand uh, where we are in the times that we're living, why nations, why people, why philosophies are running rampant, or that they are doing the things that they're doing. Uh, when I talk about philosophies running rampant, our world uh, is almost as if right is wrong and wrong is right. And we're living during that time in the last days. And as we look at our broadcast partners as they came to the table, Ken Temmerman talked about China, Iran. China is one of the kings out of the east in Revelation chapter 16 that will come against Israel for that battle of Armageddon during the last half of the tribulation period, during the very last, right before Jesus Christ returns to the earth at his second coming. When we look at Iran, it's the, one of the nations mentioned in Ezekiel 38, along with all the other nations, Turkey, that we talked about, Tayyip Verdigan, and, and trying to make Turkey an Islamic nation, the pan-Islamic leader and the Islamic nation for the world. Common denominator in all those nations in Ezekiel 38, uh, Daniel 11, Psalm 83, is that they are Islamic nations, and the Islamic world will come against Israel in the end times. Of course, Dave Dolan, talking about what's taking place in Israel. And he spent and wanted to spend a lot of time on the temple this week because that's going to be the focal point when the Antichrist comes on the scene, when he is revealed after the rapture of the church. The Antichrist will come on the scene. He'll set up a one-world political system instituting his philosophy. Well, it's really the philosophy of Satan, and he will take control, and he will be a one-world leader that will come on the scene. And his role, the very first thing that he does, or probably one of the first things, or at least the first thing that kicks off the tribulation period, is confirming a peace agreement with Israel. That's Daniel chapter 9. And as you look at these events that are taking place, the anticipation for peace in the world today, certainly it's setting the scene for a man to come on the scene for a one world leader who will sell a philosophy that belongs to Satan and he will take over. Oh, he'll be the friend of Israel for the first three and a half years. He will allow them to build a temple. That temple Yes, the temple that David Dolan talked about, uh, the temple that Winky Madad always talks about, that the Jews are preparing today, even the Temple Institute. I thought it was a very good question when my brother asked the question, um, would the Jews allow a temple or would the Muslims allow for a temple to be next to the Dome of the Rock. But the Dome of the Rock, underneath the Dome of the Rock, is the top of Mount Moriah. That is the place where, if you want to go back through history, that's where David, King David, purchased the threshing floor from Arnon the Jebusite. That is where Abraham offered Isaac. That's where the Holy of Holies was located in each of the temples. That is the place that Winky called the foundation stone. I don't know if you caught that, but they consider it, the Jewish people do, and the Muslims consider that to be the foundation stone underneath the Dome of the Rock. That is why uh, we consider it one of the most holiest sites in the world. It's the third most holiest site in Islam. So now you see the conflict that is taking place. And really, it's all these things that in uh, as they are unfolding, 
we know that there's going to be a struggle, a struggle that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden that continues today and until the point when Jesus Christ comes back to the earth and he sets up his throne in the area of the Holy of Holies on the top of Mount Moriah where the temple will stand, Ezekiel's temple that Jesus built. So as we look at all these events, uh, even Rob Congdon talking about the European Union and how uh, the struggle for power and energy and the different things, yes, it's setting the scene for a one world leader to at least use the infrastructure for the European Union to revive the old Roman Empire. And that will be uh, the Antichrist role. He'll use that as his power base. So we're watching uh, the European Union as it unfolds and what's happening. And I do think Rob has a very good understanding of Calvinism, covenant theology, uh, the Reformed Church, all these things. And you would do well to watch his videos to learn. Dr. Rich Schmidt also came to us and he talked to us about events that are happening, why our world is acting as it is, uh, the violence that is taking place again, uh, laying out uh, and a prophetic understanding of how the world is going to be. This is nothing what the world is going to be like in the future. The world in, in the tribulation period, um, we haven't seen anything compared to the trouble and the perilous times, the times of Jacob's trouble that it's talked about that will take place during the tribulation period in the future. I liked how Rich finished up his teaching using the word of God to help us to really to apply this to our life. I think about Peter and Paul as those scriptures that they gave in those letters to both Timothy and to the early church as they were given instructions. And Peter, at the end of his life, he said, be ready to give an account for what you believe, to be able to defend it at any moment, but do it in love. And that's something that's very important. And Paul says, when he writes to Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That's the point where we are at right now. And I would like to encourage you to use the word of God. Over 30% of God's word is about future events. If that was so important to God that he would use one third of the way that he communicates with us and his word to tell us about future events, if it was that important to him, how much more important should it be to us? Bible prophecy is used for two things. One, to help us to understand the urgency for evangelization, to tell others about God's gift of eternal life. And the second one is to live a pure, productive, holy life in an unholy world. Thank you for listening to our program today. The rapture could happen, and it could happen today. So let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today is a listener-supported production of Shofar Communications in Chattanooga, Tennessee.